Welcome to EU Code Week Podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are your hosts, Eugenia Casariego and Tomaso de la Vecchia. With this series of podcasts, we'd like to contribute to changing the education system in Europe and adapting it to a society that is getting more and more digitalized. And we're both part of the EU Code Week team and are passionate about digital technologies, teaching and education. Together with the Code Week team, we create and produce content to help teachers introduce coding and digital skills to their classroom in fun and engaging ways. In this episode, we're going to talk about visual programming as a creative tool to teach coding to children of all ages. Codewick believes in the importance of teaching coding not only as a way to pave young people's future, but also as a method to develop a variety of horizontal skills, such as creative thinking, problem solving, or teamwork. But how can we actually help our students get started? Text-based programming can be challenging as a start in the world of coding, as it takes time to learn the syntax and write a seamless line of code. But on the other hand, visual programming can help our students and children truly grasp the basic concepts behind coding while being able to see a results right away. Languages such as Scratch work with what we call block-based programming, in which lines of code are expressed in visual blocks that can be dragged into the coding console. Scratch has always been very popular among our community of experts and educators. This is why we were very excited to be talking to the Scratch team today. So welcome, JC Edelman. Thank you for joining us today. And could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your work for the Scratch Foundation? Hello, it's so wonderful to be here today. Thank you for having me. My name is JC Edelman. I'm the Experience and Engagement Manager at the Scratch Foundation. I focus on outreach with young people and educators, families, organizations, and partners all over the world in support of creative coding with Scratch. And Scratch, in fact, has contributed greatly to bring uh, coding and computational thinking closer to students and schools in general, even to parents. But what are the basic principles and mission behind Scratch and what it is for you? Can you give your, our listeners a quick rundown of what is Scratch, who is targeted for, and how to get started? Absolutely. So Scratch is, right now, it's the world's largest coding community. It is a global platform with more than 80 million users all around the world. As you mentioned in your opening, Scratch is block-based computer programming language And it allows kids to create their own interactive stories, games, and animations, and then share their creations with the online community so they can share and remix their projects with kids all around the world. And one of the most important features about Scratch is that it's free for all, and we're committed to keeping it free. And a little bit about the history of Scratch. So Scratch began out of the lifelong kindergarten group at the MIT Media Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the research team there developed Scratch as basically an opportunity to create a platform where students could use computing, but in ways that allowed them to express their ideas and express their learning in the most creative of ways. So Scratch was released to the public in 2007. And Since that time, both the Lifelong Kindergarten Group and the Scratch Foundation 
have been very interesting in seeing how Scratch has been adopted around the world by students and educators and families. In particular, we're most interested in understanding ways to support Scratch and in terms of creative learning and creative expression. So you mentioned that your uh, your communities, it's kind of global, it's kind of everywhere. Is the Scratch translated into different languages? It is. So Scratch has a, a worldwide volunteer community of translators, actually. So the Scratch editor is actually available in more than 70 languages, um, and it's continuously being translated by our volunteers. So when you open up the Scratch editor and go to the top, the very top of the editor and click on the little globe icon, you can easily choose the language that you desire and all of the blocks and all of the features of Scratch will be translated into that language. That's quite an impressive effort. And so before you mentioned a lot the idea of play, playfulness and creativity, so can you actually tell us a bit more about Scratch Foundation approach or Scratch approach to coding with creativity and playful learning? And why do you consider it central or relevant to Scratch mission or to Scratch work? Absolutely. So the so Scratch platform like I mentioned, it really provides creative computing experiences for all learners. And one thing that we're really cognizant about is when we both develop the platform as well as the resources and experiences that we develop for educators and students, we really try to think about it from three different principles. The first is low floors. So the platform is developed with block-based coding in part because it really lowers the barrier to allow for all children to engage in coding without the barriers of like syntax errors or, you know, getting stuck and not being able to move forward, which happens sometimes in text-based languages. So the visual nature of Scratch really lowers that barrier. And the second principle that we really rely on are wide walls. So a lot of the resources that we provide, as well as the starter projects and facilitation guides online that we provide on our ideas page, we really try to think about what are the many multiple pathways, what are the multiple entry points that we can provide for students to engage putting their interests and bringing themselves into their projects. And then the last piece, the last guiding principle that we rely on are high ceilings. And that's really a concept that kind of once students and, and users of Scratch get comfortable and have the time and space to explore and, you know, gain creative confidence and computational fluency, they're really able to extend themselves, whether that's through physical computing with a microbit or Raspberry Pi, or use Scratch extensions. So there's a really large library of Scratch extensions that are available to kind of extend and deepen the exploration of learning in Scratch. Right. I really like the term you use of creative confidence and how Scratch really gives this room, you know, and how you define this room for creativity. You know, I think it's very interesting and very much goes in line with what we try to promote within Code Week. But for our listeners who may not yet be so familiar with peaceful programming or, or to be more concrete with block-based programming, then I have a bit of a basic question. So what is exactly peaceful programming? Is there a difference between peaceful programming and block-based programming and how would you define it? And, and also as well, if you could give us an idea, what advantages does this type of programming language have for people who are learning how to code and especially children and young students? 
Yes, I really like this question. So the why visual programming, the why block-based coding. So Scratch was really designed, as I said, to encourage tinkering and playful experimentation. And the blocks were designed really deliberately similar to Lego blocks. So when you're playing with Lego bricks, you can snap them together, you can experiment and build and create based on your imagination. And then halfway through or wherever in the process, you can unsnap those bricks, right? You can remix and iterate on your design. And the designers of Scratch really kind of hooked on to that idea. And that's why they brought block-based coding into the Scratch editor. So when you enter into Scratch, you have a whole palette of different block categories to choose from. And just like Legos, the blocks can snap together and you can experiment and try out, you know, can you make your, your character move across the screen or jump or say something? Like I said earlier, there's it's kind of instant kind of gratification in terms of seeing what can happen when you snap the blocks together. And then on the flip side, just like Legos, you can unsnap the blocks. You can mix them around and iterate on your design. So I think what it does, it really kind of lends itself to that inquiry-based and exploratory kind of learning process that's so important for young children to experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one great thing that I like about the environment of Scratch is how easy it is to replicate things. And also once it's just like Lego, as you said, and I really like that image because once I create kind of a, a chain of code, you know, a block of code, I can just transport it, move around that block and fix it into another part, you know, and just have these structures that I can move around. So, so I find it actually very easy to, to work with it and actually fun as well. And I really, again, like this image of Lego, but let's move now to schools and have a look at them more concretely at teaching practice. Sure. JC, now we are moving a bit into a practical side of, of Scratch. And as a Scratch team member, do you have any example of an easy activity that our listeners can use to bring coding to their classes? What would be your favorite activity they could try first? Absolutely. So I would definitely recommend, I'm a little biased because the Scratch Ideas page is really the perfect place to start if you're just getting started. So at the top of the Scratch Ideas page is literally getting started with Scratch tutorial. And the beauty of that tutorial is that it has a video that you can watch. It has an interactive kind of click-through modules that you can follow along with. And then all of the tutorials on that page actually come with facilitator guides as well as very specific scratch coding cards. So it lends itself to providing a variety of scaffolds that you might need, whether you are getting started yourself as an educator or whether you need some facilitation support in terms of rolling it out for the first time with your students. My personal favorite in terms of the tutorials is the Imagine a World tutorial. So this tutorial invites you through one main character or what we call Sprite in Scratch to imagine a world, anything you can possibly think of. So whether it's a cow that is flying in outer space or whether it's an underwater, you know, magical castle and world, it really lets students bring their own imaginations and their own interests 
into Scratch right in the beginning of their entry point into the program? Well, that's very much in line also with the Code Week uh, attempt in a way to uh, bring uh, ideas to life with digital technology, passing that message that tinkering with uh, the digital where you can create, you can give a shape and an image or an animation at the voice to an idea you might have. I, I find it also very powerful. And you mentioned also resources for trainers, for educators to help them build their lessons, uh, lesson plan and uh, learning path. What is the main, uh, the most com- the most popular feature in, in the Scratch platform? The most popular feature in the Scratch platform is probably, you know, as, apart from what I mentioned, which are the tutorials, We also have a set of starter projects, and those are also accessible on the ideas page of Scratch. So what the starter projects do is I like to say they kind of create kind of mini walled gardens where students can enter into the Scratch editor and have a kind of a a more scoped down set of blocks and set of concepts to grapple with and tinker with. Sometimes when students or even educators are new to Scratch and you enter into the editor, it can be, you know, for some, it can be a little overwhelming. There's a lot there. It's actually quite powerful. Um, There are a lot of different options in terms of sounds and costumes and sprites. And so what these starter projects do, like I said, is they give you kind of a, a more focused exploration or sandbox to kind of mess around with Scratch and and try out new things. It's interesting because I've known Scratch for quite a while, but you're opening up new worlds and possibilities. Uh, There are features I didn't know about. So now I'm really looking forward to to going again to the Scratch website and discovering all of these. But while we're on the topic of starting off and these resources that help people start off with coding and Scratch in particular, I also wanted to ask you about Scratch Junior. So can you tell us for which ages is Scratch Junior suitable and also how did the decision came about of creating this kind of parallel, if I can call it like that, uh, platform? Yeah, Scratch Junior was developed actually as a collaboration between the DevTech Research Group at Tufts University here in Massachusetts and the Lifelong Kindergarten Group at MIT, who, of course, were the developers of Scratch. And it, it's just to introduce it a little bit. It's a programming language that introduces young children. Typically, we say ages five to seven. And similar to Scratch, they can create their own interactive stories and games. And also similar to Scratch, it uses that graphical, the visual block-based coding where children can snap the blocks together to make characters move and dance and jump. And so... I think what was identified and the DevTech Research Group at Tufts really focuses on early education and has deep research-based learning and findings um, in early education. So Scratch Junior was really rooted in that research. They wanted to create a platform that was more developmentally appropriate for younger learners. And so what that meant was not just block-based coding, but more visually-based symbols-based blocks, so less of a reliance on literacy or text and more of a leaning in towards using blocks that have kind of symbols that are more universally accessible to young learners. 
JC, often when we try to promote computer science or coding to teachers uh, in primary and secondary school, especially, they often think it's a technical skill set and it belongs mainly to STEM subjects. But could you tell us about how teachers can instead bring coding into other subjects like uh, performing arts classes or other artistic subjects, for instance? And do you think that coding really have a role in every subject? Absolutely. Yes. My short answer is yes, for sure. Um, So I really strongly believe that Scratch is a natural fit across all different artistic subjects at its core and at its nature is that it's, you know, a platform for creative expression. I think what's important to kind of consider and step back when you're introducing Scratch is how are you facilitating it in a way that promotes creative expression? So that's giving students time and space and thinking about introducing it in a project-based way, less of a class period way. And so I think when you think about bringing Scratch into art, you can think about interactive still lives in Scratch. You can think about visualizing poetry or bringing poetry to life through animation. You can think about dramatic retelling of a historic event, or one of my favorite activities is actually designing interactive activity tracker. So this would be an activity that you could do using Microbit and connecting Microbit with Scratch to create an activity tracker that can track a step or a jump or flinging an object. So if you attach the Microbit to your foot and you think about each time the Microbit tilts back, it's one step. And each time the microbit tilts forward, it's another step. You've just created what's known as like a a Fitbit or a way to kind of track your physical activity in really fun and creative ways. And so to me, that activity, it's not just fun because it gets kids up and um, moving around, but it also really provides the opportunity for young people to think of themselves as designers. And lastly, there's a very strong correlation with processing. So processing being a flexible visual, you know, software, sketchbook in some ways, and language for learning how to code within the context of visual arts. So I think there's just, it allows so many pathways to the creative expression. So yes, definitely scratch, scratch across all, all the arts. And so in the next section, we want to focus in a little bit more about advice for teachers in general to continue with this, but also we want to look a bit at the future, a bit of teaching coding and computational thinking. And so um, in Scratch Foundation, you aim to bring coding to children around the world, as you've mentioned yourself, JC, and to give them the opportunity to learn coding. I think this is what I understood. That is the main mission of Scratch, among others. And we believe the same in Code Week. And so what advice would you give educators who want to take up coding and teach it in the classroom? And why teaching coding from a young age? Sure. So to me, it's been really inspiring to see the way Scratch has been used in classrooms across all ages and across all disciplines in support of creative expression for students. And so if you're thinking about bringing Scratch into your classroom and you're just getting started in terms of, you know, exploring the Scratch editor, I really highly recommend actually going to the Scratch Ideas page and really thinking of yourself as, a you know, a young learner. Try out one of the starter projects, try out one of the tutorials and 
try your best to put on the mindset of I'm going to play, I'm going to tinker, I'm going to explore. Less, less pressure on yourself about what will I create or will I get stuck? And more of like an, an opening to the idea of like, what can I create? What can I imagine? What do I want to create? And so I absolutely invite teachers to just play and scratch. I also, I really highly recommend if you are going to jump into Scratch, do it with a friend. I think one thing that we really value in terms of our guiding principles is the idea of peers and peer learning. And that's true for us as adults and educators as well. You know, the room knows more than any one person. And so when you sit down and you play and experiment with Scratch with others, with other colleagues, it's all about sharing your findings, those aha moments that you're figuring out together. It's a lot less isolating, I think, to play with Scratch with, with others. I think you just implicitly mentioned one of them, but what do you think are the most common pitfalls and issues when teaching coding? Should we be aware of some of them in particular? Absolutely. So I think, you know, there are a few things I think that are really important to keep in mind. And to me, it really comes down to the guiding principles that Scratch and the Lifelong Kindergarten group use when we facilitate or design experiences. And that's really kind of a reliance on the four, what we call the four Ps. So we think about creating an experience that centers project-based learning. We think about an experience that allows students to bring in their passions, so what their interests are. We think about experiences that really include peer-to-peer -peer learning. And then lastly, we think about experiences that really center play and play being prompts that allow for curiosity and imagination and joyful learning and communication with each other. So I think if you kind of think about those four guiding principles of projects, passion, peers, and play, when developing an experience in Scratch, I think you can kind of avoid some of the pitfalls, you know, and I think those pitfalls being perhaps pigeonholing Scratch in one class period. So we're going to all do Scratch now and we're going to come up with, you know, we're going to use a prompt and our projects are going to look really similar at the end because we didn't have the time or the space or the invitation to allow for creative expression. So I think that's something that's really, really important. It's really an issue sometimes to convince teachers that they can do it, that they can teach coding. They just have to build their confidence and, uh, and as you say, probably start playing, start creating with their students and not necessarily instructing their students only. Thank you so much for your answer. For me, one of the most important kind of phrases that you can develop as a facilitator of Scratch, and this is across the board, working with any level of learners, is the phrase, I don't know the answer to that, but let's figure it out together. And so that's a really powerful phrase to lean on, whether you really don't know the answer to the question, or if you want to kind of give the learning knowledge generation back to your students to let them problem solve and really have autonomy in, in figuring out the problems that they're grappling with. Right. And I think an environment like Scratch really does give like the room for that creativity and the room to find answers together. So, so I feel that that's like 
one really good environment to, to have this approach to teaching as well. So my last question kind of looks a bit at the future, Yacy. So five years from now, let's say, where do you think we will stand in, pract- in the practice of teaching coding at the schools? Um, do you think there'll be more importance of its awareness or... Or, you know, for example, do you think AI, artificial intelligence will take over coding, so to say, and will it no longer be important to teach our uh, students to code? How do you see this? Yes, I really like this question. And um, and I think, you know, it's been really clear that um, coding as a practice has been adopted very widely in the past several years. And I know that in the next five years, it's just going to continue to be valued and integrated into schools, especially. And I think the biggest opportunity I see is for us to continue to develop the philosophy of how we facilitate experiences with coding that allows for creative expression. And I know I keep going back to that concept. I think there are many, many different coding platforms, many, many different coding organizations and resources out there. And I think the most important thing to focus on is What are those guiding principles? What is that framework that will really keep creativity, keep, you know, computational fluency at the forefront of how Scratch and how coding is facilitated? We talk a lot at Scratch about what we call or what we strive to discover as equitable creative coding. And I think that Scratch is really poised in in particular in the next five years to really continue to define what that means through initiatives that we've just launched, such as the Scratch Education Collaborative that's brought together for this first cohort, this first year, 41 organizations from all around the world that are using Scratch in support of equitable creative coding. By the end of that experience, working with this cohort of organizations and subsequent cohorts, I'm really excited to continue to share and discover new new ways and new frameworks um, that can really support educators in facilitating Scratch in this creative and culturally relevant way. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, from Codewick's side as well, we, we see coding and creativity very much linked. And, and as well, we therefore, we, we strongly believe in our mission to keep supporting educators, as you just said, you know. So, so I think we have um, both Scratch Foundation and Codewick have a lot in common. And so to sum up a bit, I would say today we have spoken a bit about the power of coding, if I can call it that. But as well, we have touched the base of what exactly is Scratch and, and why block-based programming and visual programming is a powerful tool to teach young students but also students of all ages and today we have also touched upon some tips and tricks on how you listeners and educators can actually get started with teaching coding and and lastly of course we have also talked a bit about the future but Tomasa what are your takeaway messages from today's conversation with with Yacy? Well, I have many from today's conversation, actually. It's, it was very interesting to hear Jace's views. And I take that, of course, we have to work on this initiative altogether because they're really definitely a big community out there that are trying to go towards the same direction. So there's no way that we would reach our objective without collaborating, of course, I take that problem solving is part of the process of learning coding. So I really liked what JC mentioned that uh, sometimes you might not have the solution. You just have to find it out together with your students. 
Finally, I would like to thank you, the Scratch Foundation, to make a complex topic digestible. And uh, uh, through all the different uh, modules, cards, uh, tutorials that JC introduced to us. And finally, well, JC, do you have anything else to add or another message that you think we should uh, go back home with today? Um, I, I think what you touched on in terms of the community aspect is really key. Um, here at Scratch, we kind of joke, but it, it's true that it's Scratch, uh, you know, brings the platform to the community, but it's really the educators, you, the educators out there working with your students that really bring Scratch to life. It's, it's, it's when you allow students to bring themselves into Scratch and to express themselves creatively. That's the magic of Scratch. And, and we're so inspired by the work that we see educators doing. And, and I can't wait to see what you create. The power of the community. Thank you very much, JC, for um, being with us today. And thank you very much as well for your very insightful answers. You have given us a lot of food for thought, I hope, as well to our listeners. So truly, thank you. Thank you. As we like to say at our team, Scratch on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Thank you, JC. Thank you. So we hope, listeners, that you have liked this episode and that you have been inspired to dive deeper into the world of coding and especially to take up peaceful programming and to start or continue your Scratch journey. And so at our website, coreweek.eu, we, you can find a lot of tutorials that will help you get started with visual programming and Scratch in particular. And of course, I invite you as well to check out the website of Scratch, um, where you will find all of the resources that JC has mentioned um, uh, today at this episode. See you next time for a new episode of our Code Week podcast with some other interesting facts on coding and digital technologies in education. Goodbye. Goodbye.